What is going on, friends? Welcome back to Forward Progress, live here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm producer Jason. You can catch us here every Friday on the Forward Progress YouTube channel to, alongside Jack Miller from Established to Run, John Legaza from The Athletic, and Matthew Freeman from The Fantasy Life to cover our best props for the NFL Sunday and Saturday slate here. Uh, we've been running this throughout the season. We appreciate you guys supporting us, but if you can continue to support us throughout uh, the playoffs, it'd be very, very helpful for us here. We're going to be running this Friday show throughout the playoffs every Friday. You know us here from the season. We'll be continuing to do it throughout the playoffs. So if you've been sticking with us throughout the year, make sure you smash that like button. And if you're new here, hit that subscribe button. Does goes a long way for us uh, in the algorithm. And on top of that, you don't want to miss out on this good content that we have provided for you here. Um, before we get into anything, just want to quickly talk about our sponsors over at Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book, offering competitive odds for 25 years. We preach line shopping on this channel and with everyday competitive odds, Pinnacle should be one of your available outs. If you're looking to support the show, make sure you use code HAMMER when signing up to Pinnacle. Your trusted sports book for 25 years, bet smart, bet Pinnacle. Must be 90 plus in Ontario. Please pay responsibly and not available in the U.S. Guys, we usually kind of dive into things. That's how we've been doing it recently here with uh, with these player props. We kind of skip the meandering. But I think it's an important thing because Nathan has brought up in the chat here for us. Um, it's an important thing to talk about, especially in Week 18, Motivations are kind of in question here. We're going to see a lot of players potentially being benched. So Matt, I'll start with you. Nathan has a couple questions here, but the first one I want to I want to hear your your thoughts on is Nathan's asking about players such as Goff, Hurts, Detroit weapons, Philly weapons, uh, and and things like that. Are you worried about betting one overs on those players, and two, are you looking to bet unders on those players with the potential of them being benched or not? Matt, let's start with you. I think some of the uh, the potential for those players to be benched is already baked into the lines a little bit. But then also for some of these games, um, some lines are still not up yet uh, mm -hmm. or or books have been slower to release lines uh, on certain players. So the books are also aware that some of this stuff is a possibility. So they're taking it into account. And I would say um, live betting uh, some of these props feels like maybe the way to approach it. Uh, where like I normally like I don't do much live betting, uh, especially mm -hmm. with player props. But like that is something that is uh, increasingly available sports book to sports book. And this feels like the kind of week where live betting player props might actually be the optimal way to approach it, because uh, as certain games are happening, like we could sort of look at the Cowboys game, for instance, and if mm -hmm. they are just absolutely trashing the commanders, but the Eagles are still playing their starters, you can maybe get a jump on it and saying like, okay, I think they're likely to pull their starters at some point relatively soon, but that's not priced into the lines. Uh, mm -hmm. That might be a way to approach it. So yeah, I think that there is the possibility of it, but in certain players, like he mentioned Goff, for instance, I'm actually not too worried about the Detroit players. Uh, I think Dan Campbell is going to play his guys and like, we'll probably talk about that later, but uh, I think it's a case by case basis and live betting. It might be the way to go. Yeah, that's a great point here. And John, we were talking about this before the show here about how like how limited this prop menu has been as a result of uh, kind of the uncertainty in the market here. Uh, you want to share your thoughts on, on this kind of motivation, motivation situation slash players getting benched here with player props. Yeah, Jay. I mean, we've got to know any, know each other pretty well the past year or so, and I'm a pretty conservative player. You know, as hard as I work for it, I still intend to win all my bets. And this kind of uncertainty really makes it very tough. So I think everybody should really be kind of extra reticent and really very careful, and definitely not get over levered. That said, just to the board itself, I was interested to see it. It looks like from the naked eye that 
most of the props are priced kind of up where you'd want. I know Dallas has to win, but CD Lamb's props at 93 and a half. And it just goes down the board. It looks like they're there. So, again, uncertainty. I'd probably be leaning towards unders because a lot of these games, even if, you know, we're trying to manifest motivation in some of these situations, the fact of the matter is, similar to what, what Matt said, it's a dynamic situation. The scoreboard is going to dictate these things. And there are quite a few games in this board that if they get out to two touchdown disparities, let's say, early, then whatever plan was in the book originally is probably at the window because they are, yes, teams want to win. They also need to protect players and guys are trying to make, get jobs and stuff. A lot of moving pieces. I'm going to try and just lock in on the games that we are expecting to be highly competitive all the way through. That'll reflect in the bets I laid down. But other than that, it just be safe because, again, we, we try and, like, manifest the dreamcast and stuff into reality. It's just not always the case. You know, actually, if I if I could jump in there, a, a couple of things going off of what John just said there. So, yeah, so the the competitive games, like where you know that a team is going to be playing to win, like they they have to win in order to get into the playoffs or to win their division, something like that. It feels like that is a little more business as usual. And then there are also mm. situations where maybe you have uh, a team playing that is already eliminated, but it's basically been effectively eliminated for like, weeks you know and not much is really going to be different about the way that they are going about it it feels like those are the areas that might be a little more certain and then uh also to john's point about let's say like the cowboys for instance like if they get out to a big lead maybe in the second half maybe like halfway into the fourth quarter they could be looking to to rest some of their players in those situations i would still think that maybe the unders for things like yardage things for carries uh could be exploitable but if i were thinking uh like in a bullish case about some of those players i would maybe look to the touchdown market because mm -hmm. if they get out to a big lead that sort of implies that they have scored some points so that would maybe still be the way to invest where like you could see how like CD lamb actually has a touchdown, but he goes under on his yardage prop because mm -hmm. in the second half. So like there were, I think there are still ways to be bullish on players and like invest in that if you are in that direction, but like still have the knowledge that like the unders in certain situations might be the side that is probably sharper. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense here. Uh, and a lot of this stuff is information driven as well here. Jack, I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on on this entire discussion here on uh, on, again, one, the 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 players being benched already priced in and two, just how I guess information heavy and how much uh, information plays into these lines here uh, with whether guys, whether teams are going to sit guys or not. I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, th I think these guys covered it pretty well, to be honest. I mean, how how we're going to see lines get put out this weekend is going to be a lot based on the information that we have like there's a there's a lot of lines that we don't have that we normally would have on a, a friday afternoon at this point um and and i think that if you are firing overs especially on on teams that have been eliminated it makes sense to try to kind of quanti qualitatively think through the risk that a, a player gets randomly benched for some reason um mm. but but i do think that Matt brought up a good point about the teams that have been eliminated for a month now. Like they probably won't make drastic changes um, just because it's week 18 and they're eliminated versus it, it was week 16 and they're eliminated. Um, but it's definitely just something to be mindful of. But I think John and Matt covered, uh, covered it pretty well. Yeah, that's a great point here. So takeaway from this discussion here, obviously pay attention to live markets because there might be opportunities there. A lot of fun correlated parlays. If you really think about things uh, in deep there, like, like Matt said, um, and Nathan kind of brought one up that you can probably 
uh, figure out in the chat here. And then, yeah, like Jack said, information is, is everything. And finally, John, of course, just pay attention to the Borks. We're not seeing stuff posted, so just pay attention to what is being posted here. Uh, let's dive right into uh, the player props here. Before I do, guys, I'm going to ask you, if we can hit 30 likes, I have a, an approved best bet from me, myself, and I. So uh, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on the bet uh, later on in the show here. But if we can hit 30 likes, we'll I'll be able to give that out live on air. We need 30 likes to do it. So, so guys, if you're watching right now, take a second here and hit that like button. Let's dive right into it. Starting with Matt, we're going to head over to the Sunday slate. And we're going to head over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Carolina Panthers. Four and a half spread uh, right now on the game here. Was five and a half earlier in the week. If you tuned into forward progress, you know why it's at four and a half right now. Very important game here for the Bucs if they win. They likely, or they do, uh, lock themselves in to win their division here. Matt, you're looking towards Mike Evans and his over of 62 and a half receiving yards. Break down your handicap here for us. Yeah, so this is one of those games where I would expect the Buccaneers to be playing full out. Obviously, mm -hmm. they win. They win the division. They make the playoffs. So I think this is kind of business as usual and maybe even like business more than usual uh, mm -hmm. for the Buccaneers here. Um, you know, Mike Evans, 61 and a half yards. That's uh, only two yards higher than where this number was when he faced the Buccaneers in week 13. In, in that game, he had 162 yards, a touchdown, season high, seven receptions, season high, 12 targets. I don't think much has changed from then to now in terms of like the composition of the Buccaneers and also like the composition of the, the Panthers defense. For this season, Evans has averaged 77.1 yards per game, a median of 68 yards. Just given the stakes for the Buccaneers, I think that they probably go to Evans pretty consistently in this mm -hmm. game. So 61 and a half, I think it's just a little bit too low here. I have it projected for 67.4 and would probably take it up to like 64 and a half. Yeah, fair, fair enough here. Obviously, slim pickings here on the board with what is available here. Best price I found in market was 62 and a half minus 110, which is wide available. There's one 61 and a half at minus 115 hanging out there. If you want to go hit it, guys, please feel free to do so. But for tracking purposes, lock that in at 62 and a half towards the over at minus 110 here. And a quick reminder, you can find all of our plays tracked live here on the show. We track them over on Betstamp. Just head over to Betstamp and type in forward progress HQ spelt FWD progress HQ. You search us there and you can find all of our picks throughout the season. We've been crushing it on props this year. We've been absolutely crushing it in this late December stretch. I believe, I think we were up 9% ROI on props in December. We did a great job here. So quick little plug for us, quick little pat on the back for us here. Uh, let's get into the next one. Uh, John, we, we talked a little bit about um, in, uh, incentives before the show here. And I know this isn't in, isn't in play for your decision here, but... If you want to play this number, just be wary that it might get bet up throughout the week. So just pay attention. And if you're if, if you're liking the handicap here, go go bet it. I mean, now if you can. But let's let's talk about this Houston indie game. Uh, one of the most important games on the slate. Uh, one of the most important games for both these teams this season. Uh, both teams fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for their playoff lives. Essentially, Houston's missing Noah Brown, Robert Woods, and Tank Dell in the passing game, leading you, John, to like Dalton Schultz and his reception ladder here. I know it's not to do with player incentives, so break down your handicap here first. I was, I was trying to save the I-word until a little bit later. I was going to drop the hammer, but you really nailed it, and it kind of alludes to what Friedman was saying before. We want to focus on this is business as usual. These teams are playing for it all. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to be the regular rock fight that we expect. So I think you can, you know, fully expect participation routes and workloads as normal, right? Standard operating procedure. So we want Dalton Schultz. It's starting at five receptions. That's at even money. 
Six receptions is plus 210. Seven receptions is plus four, uh, 425. Jay, the line's going to move because all of my props have been moving here. We are killing this, man. I feel like every week I'm just tweeting you ladder emojis and cash bags <laughs> and stuff. Man, I had a rough month in the middle. I don't win all the time. No one does. But it's been nice to really bounce back in a major way. With these ladders, again, those could have just been regular hits for minus 110. But instead, we stretched them out to plus 1,000. Do we have a plus 700 hit four weeks in a row? Let's go. So Dalton Schultz with C.J. Stroud, right, isolated with the passer. He's second on the team with a 65% route participation and a 14% team target share. We alluded to it. Also, Jay, you mentioned it. Woods is out with the hip. Brown is out with the back. And Dell is just missing. So, I mean, Schultz behind Collins is the number two pass game option. Five receptions should be pretty easy to get. Last week, we even saw some slot routes. He got a slot target. He got three outside targets. He ran two go routes last week. I don't think they have much else. That's what I'm speaking to. The Texans are pretty much decimated. And, you know, Schultz has been that trusted asset in the passing game. So here we go now. Rob Pizzola, cover your ears. Incentives on deck. He gets a quarter million dollars to hit four receptions. He gets another half million dollars to get six receptions. I mean, we're not just chasing incentives here, right? He's in line, Rob. Don't fire me, baby. The analysis is good, and I think the game script should be there also. Then you flip side to the Indianapolis D. Their bottom 10 in tight end receptions allowed. They're allowing five and a quarter receptions to the tight end per game, and they've allowed five tight ends to hit that five reception mark. So I really have my eye on that. First one, Jay, right? So, again, let's just divvy it up. You go 7-2-1 is always fun when we have a three-step ladder again, people, if I don't see you again, right? Make sure if you hit the base rung that the entire venture is profitable. That's really the only problem with ladder betting, Jay. I see when people, they lever the top end too far, and you may hit the base, and it's still a loser, and that's really what we're trying to avoid, right? We want to use the black marker, not the red one. So let's go. Dalton Schultz, half a dozen catches for $750,000, Rob. You heard it here, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, again, like – I like that you're playing off the incentives there. It's uh, in jest, but like again, it's in there. I, like it's, I in there. it's in there. It's in there. It's important to to consider at the very least. And and if anything, like we've seen Dalton, like like you mentioned, this passing offense is ba- basically decimated for the Houston Texans here. So yeah, um, yeah like I, I don't see why not. And then I was also messaging you about it earlier too. Like the the Indianapolis Colts give a ton through the air, so I, I don't see. I, I could definitely see this hitting. Lock that in. Uh, was able to find a four and a half at plus 105, which is always nice here if you shop around. Then there's a plus 210. Uh, we lock that in. Plus 210 over five and a half receptions, 20 bucks. And then over six and a half receptions, plus 425 uh, for 10 bucks there for the latter here. Uh, Jay in the comment section saying he wants to take a look at uh, Michi, uh, which is not that big of a... I mean, I don't hate that. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on John Michi. I, I doubt there will be even lines available, so might skip over that one here. Let's just get into our next prop here. It's in the same game, sticking with the Houston uh, Houston at Indy here. Jack, you're looking at the other side of the ball. You're looking at Jonathan Taylor, JT, on his longest reception. You're looking towards the under nine and a half here. So break down uh, this gross little bet you got for us. Yeah, I, I kind of lean toward all of Jonathan Taylor's receiving unders this weekend, um, but I, his receptions and receiving yards moved a little bit, so I just went with this one. Um, but Jonathan Taylor had a, a thumb injury, which he came back from a couple weeks ago. In his two games since coming back, he's had a 2.7% target share and a 4.3% target share. Trey Sermon ran around on 36% of the Colts dropbacks last week. Um, and they were using him in long down and distance, uh, at least in their, at least in Jonathan Taylor's first game back. Uh, thumb injuries can, I mean, we've seen with Taylor a little bit. We've seen with AJ Dillon, like the thumb injuries, the hardest thing 
for those guys is pass blocking and pass catching. Um, Zach Moss might be back this week as well. It looked like he was maybe going to be back last week based on his practice participation, and then he he just didn't play. But he's been practicing again this week. It's a must-win game. So if he returns, that's another, uh, I guess, knock against Jonathan Taylor because they've been happy to use Moss in the receiving game. Um, Taylor's routes were still fine last week. I, I just think that the thumb injury, even if he's not on the injury report, it, it seems pretty suspicious to me that they that there were reports that you know Taylor had a thumb injury and maybe his pass catching would be effective. And then he came out and had a a three and a four percent target share in his first two games back, while Trey Sermon played much more than we we've ever seen Trey Sermon play uh, this year, especially on passing downs. So yeah, I, I like under nine and a half uh, longest reception. He's only gone over um three times this year which is you know not the best stat in the world considering that he has only played nine games and he's he's gotten ramped up but he's still gone under a pretty nice portion of the time too love that i love the handicap here from you also love you bringing up trey sermon fantasy community is like shuddering right now at the at the, the thought of uh trey sermon and uh, who knows maybe he'll be back next year for us so yeah we locked that in under nine and a half longest reception uh is available at minus 110 widely available here uh we locked that in Let's move on to our next play here. And I want to give a quick reminder to you guys, if you want me to give out my best bet of the week uh, live here on the show, make sure you're hitting that like button here. If we can get up to 30 likes, I'll share it with you guys. So uh, let's get on to our next prop here. Matt, we're going to look at you here. You're looking at the Bears-Packers game. Bears getting a ton of respect in this matchup. It feels like they're three and a half dogs right now uh, at home. Uh, excuse me, on the road. Uh, three and a half dogs on the road here going into Lambeau Field. I mean, they have like, a massive opportunity here. One, they already have the one seed locked up with the Carolina Panthers pick. Two, they could potentially spoil their division rivals' chances at making the playoffs here, which is a lot to uh, a lot to play for when you're thinking motivation-wise, especially considering the, what the Packers have done to the Bears over the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. Um, but you, uh, Matt, you're looking at some receiving yard over props. So without me bearing the lead here, why don't you just take it away? Yeah, uh, DJ Moore over 63 and a half is where I bet it. Um, it is now looking across the market. Uh, there's a lone 65 and a half, but it's up to 67 and a half generally. And that's fine. Like I have it projected at 68.1, but this is for me like more of a sort of like vibes bet <laughs> than like uh, like where my projection is type of bet. Um, and like, I normally don't think too much about like revenge or whatever, like other motivational stuff, but like in week 18, that kind of does come into play a little bit. I think the bears, even though they're out of it, uh, they're like, they're highly motivated, as you mentioned, to get this win, uh, against the Packers here. And you have Justin Fields in what could be his last game with the bears. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be playing with a little extra. And then you have DJ Moore who has had, I think, a really great season, uh, who did not make the Pro Bowl. And I think, like, the team is going to fill that a little bit, and, like, they're going to feed him maybe a little bit more than they ordinarily would. You know, like, he just – he didn't even say anything. He just put out a tweet with, like, the, a Joker gif, like, with Heath Ledger's <laughs> Joker. Like, he is – like, he's wanting to go off in this spot. And the matchup is really good against the Packers. Mm -hmm. Number 28 in defensive dropback success rate. And uh, it might be easy to look at what DJ Moore did or like didn't do against the Packers in week one. He had just two targets, 25 receiving yards, but that was week one. You know, like a lot has happened since then. That was his first game with the team. Since then, eight and a half targets per game, 
13 targets last week. He has an ankle injury. I'm not too concerned about it given uh, that he has practiced this week. Like if it were a truly serious injury, I don't think he would have practiced on Wednesday. I don't think he would be playing in this game, but like, I think it's basically just like it's week 18. He's a football player. Everyone is a little bit injured at this point. I'm not too concerned about it. In his 11 full games with Justin Fields, Moore has averaged 94.4 yards per game with a median of 96. Like this is, I know like my projection says one thing and like what Moore has done with, uh, with Justin Fields, like says something that is very different. And like my projection just tends to be based on like what has happened over the course of the season. But I think there's a chance that like my projection is pretty low on DJ Moore and given the situation, the matchup, and like the history of what he's done specifically with Justin Fields. I mean, a median of 96 yards per game this year, mm. like that is just outrageous. And then I'll just sort of say, like, this is it's not anecdotal, but like it's a little more subjective. I think DJ Moore has been grossly <laughs> underrated, grossly underrated for like the duration of his career. If you look at what he's done like the past five years, there are only four wide receivers who have more receiving yards than he does over that time. If you look at the past three years, because you want to include some of the younger, awesome guys like Waddle, uh, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, then he's number 12 in receiving yards over that time. But like he is in the upper echelon of wide receivers. And I just think he doesn't get that respect consistently doesn't get that respect. I think that's kind of reflected in the market that we see here. Yeah. Fair enough here. Uh, potential future hall of famer as well. Uh, in, in, uh, I mean, I, I think he's got the low key case for it. If he continues to do for the next like four to five yeah. years, what he's done to this point, especially this season, like he entered the league at just 21 years old. That yeah. gives him a pretty long runway to be able to accumulate stats. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Mike Evans did that thing where he did like, what was it? A thousand receiving yards and and I don't know how many touchdowns, minimum six touchdowns a year. But like, I mean, just to total yards like DJ Moore, I think early on in his career is kind of creeping around that Mike Evans range here. He just doesn't yeah. have the touchdowns. But like you said, it's part of the reason why is because of how poor his quarterback play was. We'll save that and the Hall of Fame discussion, though, for a later uh, show here on Forward Progress here. Love that look. Lock that in at over uh, 60 six and a half, excuse me, uh, which is available over at Pinnacle at minus 113 here, 66 and a half receiving yards over uh, available at Pinnacle at minus 113 here. All right, let's move on to our next prop here. We're going to take a look at the Dallas and Washington game. We got this, the Cowboys heading into the commander stadium. Commanders are kind of like dead in the water here. Nothing really to play for. Their team is massacred. Their secondary sucks. John, you're looking at some Brandon Cooks reception ladders here. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, first things I have to Admit, I, I don't usually tail people. Matt, I'm adding more reception yard ladder to my ticket this weekend. Apologies. All- Apologies you, in advance. You that, feels like, that feels like the kiss of death when you someone starts avoid- saying, like, I'm going to tail this. And it's like, no, this is not Dude, good. You, you managed to avoid the fact they just gave up 300 yards to Bryce Young and Baker Mayfield. Dead last <laughs> and passer rating allowed last three weeks. That Packer secondary has been atrocious they have been atrocious and dj Moore is a go he does not get nearly enough love that one i think you apologize for all right let's go brandon cooks i, I it's funny because friedman i think actually laid out how this one fails not that i necessarily think it will but it's if dallas just kind of boat races washington and it gets to the point where you know we've seen dallas have those kind of 40 point outbursts hopefully 
Brandon Cooks would be part of it. So we got the reception ladder. We're going to start at four. So we're going to go four, five, and six. It's plus 135. I love getting plus money on the base rung, then 310, and then that's plus 700 on the sixth catch. And I'll be dancing the jig if we get that one with my man, Mr. Murphy. All right, Dallas needs the win for the AFC East. Dak has had 300 passing yards, six of the last 10. We know it's a prolific aerial attack. And then Cooks is really the clear number two wide receiver since the bye week many moons ago in week seven. 82% route participation. He's constantly on the field. His 50 targets, 35 receptions, and 509 receiving yards and his six touchdowns or all at least double the next wide receiver wearing a star. So he's gotten four receptions or more five times this year, three of the last six. He's gotten at least five targets in four of the last six. And the Washington D kind of speaks for itself. 31st or worst in EPA per dropback, passer rating, pass yards per game, and pressure rate, I mean, gosh, to let go of those pieces, Young and Sweat was just awful. They're also the only team in the NFL to allow 3,000 receiving yards to wide receivers. So you can put that star on the chest. And 19 different wide receivers have had five or more receptions against them. So, like, again, if Dallas is just going out for the statement game, we've also seen the Dallas defense be a little porous at times. Maybe Howell, you know, finds a seam. And if Washington gets ahead at all, like, I think this one's a smash bet. Maybe to even get to the aforementioned live props, we may want to look at teams we're expecting to win if they fall behind to go mm. all the way over also might be easy overs on attempts, like Matt was saying, and even total receptions and receiving yards for, you know, the aerial weapons, just kind of thinking out loud in real time there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, give me Cook's um, – for six receptions, I, I really think – I feel pretty strong about the four. The six feels like a reach, but who knows? That's with plus 700 for a reason. Yeah, so we got we got the six uh, – or so, excuse me, we got the four right now at plus 145. Oh, that's uh, excellent, man. Yeah, and then we got the five at plus 320 and the six at plus 700, like you mentioned there. Six plus yeah, they'll be slinging, I think. They'll be yeah, slinging. Uh, lock that in 70, 20, 10 here. Yeah, uh, love it, baby. Matt, you wanted to touch on this a bit, so I'll just throw it to you. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask John a question. So if like, we maybe have this concern about the Cowboys potentially resting players in the second half, but you're bullish on Brandon Cooks, how would you feel about like if someone wanted to ladder this situation, if they went with yards instead of receptions? Because let's say like the Cowboys could put up yards and uh, like – I mean, be super efficient against a really terrible uh, defense. They could put up yards. Uh, maybe Brandon Cooks has a touchdown, whatever it is. But, like, he could go over on the yardage. The Cowboys maybe wouldn't run many offensive plays but get out to a big lead and then bench some of the players. Uh, like, what are your thoughts about, like, the yardage ladder versus maybe the reception ladder? Well, I won't accuse you of subscribing to my work, but you're going to find that also the, the and the idea of thinking is this, right? These things, one, are kind of positively correlated. You could get to both. Two, to the receiving yards in particular, okay, I don't like to – again, I'm so conservative. I don't like to over-lever on a single player. So rather than run two ladders and maybe overexpose myself to a injury or a total goose egg – then I might just aim for the higher ladders. Like I may just go for the middle rung on receptions. And I actually, while you were talking, I'm looking, Brandon Cooks, 50 receiving yards is plus 160. 75 receiving yards is plus 450. So mm -hmm. like, man, it really doesn't hurt you to, again, maybe add another rung. If we were talking about going 7-2-1, you could split that two, make that into two ones and feed that receiving yards. And I'll tell you what, if you hit just that, yeah. Almost all the way to paying for your bet again if he just has that one catch. I think I came off it. Again, I hate admitting that I was game logging, but I think he's only done it once this year. We really haven't gotten we really haven't gotten the big like yardage outputs. 
Yeah, I'm seeing okay. the 173 and then a 72. So he's only hit the 75 once. But, man, again, plus 450 in this script against the team that you get it on, that's absolutely wheels up, man, for sure. And, okay. again, if you're more of a volume player, then you probably run them both. Because if you hit the yards without the receptions, the whole thing's profitable. And, again, that's a you know, point of this whole thing. All right. That's yeah. interesting. Thanks for answering that. Yeah, I, I, and I'll just I'll throw this I'm in so here cheap. as well. I know Jay knows I'm so cheap. It's like <laughs> I'll throw this in here as well. Like, what's the, what do you guys think? Just the I mean, you don't have to answer this, but I'm just thinking out loud here. What's the likelihood that Brandon Cooks, if they're up, even gets benched? Right? He might not. He might be one of those players who's a starter who might still. He would, no, he he said he would get benched. Yeah, you think so? okay. He's old. He's old, and they don't right, have much depth behind him. This is yeah. fair, fair enough. Here, just yeah, thought yeah. I'd throw that thought out there. Anyways, let's move on to our next uh, next prop here, Jack. You're looking at the Seattle Arizona game, similar to the uh, game we just mentioned here, Washington uh, and uh, Dallas game here. One team kind of playing for a lot here. Seattle playing for their chance at the playoffs here. And then Arizona kind of just playing for pride. And we've seen Gannon, Gannon has done very well in motivating his guys here. Jack, you're looking towards another under. Uh, you're looking towards Kenneth Walker's under 13 and a half receiving yards here. So tell us a little bit why you like this one. Yeah, Walker's had some nice uh, receiving yardage games recently, uh, which I think is inflating this a little bit. Since he became the starter last year, uh, he's played 24 games, and he's got ex – this is excluding games uh, where he got hurt. He, excluding the game earlier this year where he played 11% of snaps. He's 9-15 and 15 at this number in those games. Um, he's basically been in the same role for a year and a half now where he's the primary guy on early downs. And then um, previously, DJ Dallas, now Zach Charbonnet, is going to take all the passing down stuff. Mm. Um, and Charbonnet maybe even takes more than he was seeding previously. Um, so, I, I mean, this is a this is something we've seen hit at a pretty high rate uh, over the sample we have in the past. But also, there's just some – I mean, Walker still has the shoulder injury that had him truly questionable going into last week. And there were reports pregame that he was going to play, um, but that there were concerns about him holding up. He did briefly – leave i i believe last week um and his practice participation this week is a little bit better than it was last week but i can't imagine that that injury just magically healed itself in a week so i think there's there's you know some chance that he doesn't make it through the game and he's playing because the seahawks need to win but if if you know maybe in week four he he sits and rests his shoulder for a little bit um so that's that's pretty much the thought process here I, I love it here, and, and good mention on uh, Zach Charbonnet. I'm seeing. I assume they'd probably want to work him in, regardless of the uh, script here, the, with the young guy kind of seeing what they got in him. They've been working him in throughout the the year as well here in the passing role. Uh, love that one. Lock that in at the under. Uh, I think I said 13 and a half. It's at 12 and a half now at minus 110. Widely available number here. Kenneth Walker under 12 and a half receptions. Excuse me, receiving yards minus 110 here. Let's go to our last prop, maybe our second last prop. If you guys want to hit the like button, if not, then our last prop here, uh, Matt. You're looking at the well, listen. I always try. I ask you guys before the show. I say, hey, try and try and get the biggest game on the slate. Get a prop in there for the the people at home. And we got that. We got that one this week for you. We're gonna look at the Buffalo and Miami game. I mean, I think this is the game that everyone's looking forward to on Sunday night. It's gonna be an absolute banger. There could be. I think there's a scenario where where Buffalo uh, needs to win to get in. There might not be, depending on how some other teams play. Regardless, it's gonna be a banger game either way. Here, um, you're looking towards uh, Josh Allen. And his interceptions. Uh, so I'll kind of let you take that away. But before we, you talk about that, I just want to ask you about um, the kind of 
change in play style we've seen uh, for this Bills team since the firing of uh, their offensive coordinator halfway through the year. They've kind of been looking towards uh, James Cook a little bit more, looking towards the running game a little bit more. So one, tell us a little bit about your interception prop. And then two, if you don't mind, just uh, how do you think that's the them looking towards the run game has affected your thought process on this prop here? Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, I'll also say we opted not only like, oh, hey, let's talk about a big game, but hey, Matt, don't talk about kickers anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you remember us talking about kickers last week. That was one of the worst bets ever. Like, I remember being like, oh, Haverchick. Uh, I mean, just absolutely going to go out there and kick like five field goals. Didn't get a field goal attempt and missed. <laughs> two extra points was cut the next day and uh, was replaced by the guy whom he replaced. Like this is, I mean, anyway. Yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we avoid any catastrophes like that. And we don't talk about kickers anymore for the rest of existence until the playoffs. When I'm like, Hey guys, I got this sweet Tyler Bass prop that you need to hear about <laughs> anyway. All right. Josh Allen. Over 0.5 interceptions. This is around like minus 110. I've been projected at minus 124. Allen has 16 interceptions in 16 games. I mean, like, come on. If not, if not for Sam Howell, he would be the league leader in interceptions. And it's not as if this is a like a new thing with Josh mm -hmm. Allen. This has been a career-long thing. Uh, he was tied for number three in interceptions last year. You got to take the bad with the good. And this year, there's been a significant amount of bad. He's thrown interceptions in all but three games. Now, one of his interception list games this year was against the Dolphins in week four. He actually had his best game of the year uh, against the Dolphins, 320 yards, four touchdowns on just 25 passing attempts. But that was... At home, Josh Allen has been the best version of himself at home. That was the Dolphins without number one cornerback Jalen Ramsey, who was mm -hmm. out uh, with a knee injury. Very different Josh Allen on the road. And by the way, I also say the Dolphins in general, much better at home than on the road. So that was kind of like the perfect spot for Josh Allen going against the Dolphins. Now everything has flipped. Josh Allen on the road this year, 10 interceptions in eight games with a pick in every contest. That includes the London game. The Dolphins dealing with injuries, but they still have Jalen Ramsey. They still have 10 interceptions in nine games since Ramsey returned in week eight. And then you have the Dolphins at home where I think they keep this very competitive uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, just they have a legit home field advantage over the past half decade. You kind of look at uh, different stats like they have one of the best home field advantages in the league. And you've seen that reflected in two was against the spread record, 18 and seven against the spread at home for his career. Uh, and then, you know, because of that, I think we see a tighter matchup, but then also uh, I think this is a bounce back spot for the Dolphins, who obviously were horrendous last week. But if you look at kind of the long term trends for how teams have done off of like performances that poor, the market tends to uh, bet against them a little bit more than it should. So I think, you know, although this is a spread of three favoring mm -hmm. the Bills, yeah. I think this in reality is a much tighter game. And I think that means more Josh Allen. I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Bills get out to a big lead and they're able to run the ball. I think in this game, in order for them to win, and uh, Jason, this gets to the question of the difference that we've seen in offensive mm. coordinators and play callers. In general, recently, we have seen Josh Allen pass the ball a little bit less. They yeah. kind of rely on other players. But in this game, 
I think they're going to need the full Josh Allen. I think they're going to need him to be throwing the ball. They're going to need him to be aggressive. And I think that means you get the bad with the good and we get the Josh Allen turnover here in a high leverage primetime road matchup. So over 0.5 interceptions, I, I think this is bettable up to minus 120. Yeah, minus one ten, widely available on this number here. Uh, yeah, I love I love this look. I've always said Josh Allen is Brett Favre on wheels. Uh, a lot of fun to watch, but again, like you said, bad with the good, right? He's very good, but he can uh, sometimes make these turnover worthy plays. And I mean, I just love his hero balls on third down when he's like in his own twenty and just fucking chucks it up. And, and I mean, hey, it's like a punt. But uh, anyways, I love the look over half reception here, or sorry, half interception here at minus one ten here, guys. We didn't hit the like goal. But I'm I'm feeling generous today. I'm gonna share it anyways. And what and what this is is like a sign of good faith here, right? You guys didn't do it this week, but in the playoffs, when I come back with another best bet after first of all, after this wins, when I come back with another best bet here with the playoffs, you guys are gonna hit that like goal here for us. So I'm just gonna before we sign off here, I'm gonna let you guys know what it is. We're gonna take a look at Jared Goff because uh, you guys actually mentioned it earlier. I thought it was a little bit funny. I'm wearing the Lions jersey here. We're gonna take Jared Goff under 229 and a half uh, passing yards here uh, because. I mean, thanks to Hitman, I've been talking to him a little bit about it. He mentioned to me that there might be a chance that they're going to sit Jared Goff uh, in this game. So just based on that information alone, I'm going to play the under here. I'm going to lock that in uh, at minus 110, I believe, which is widely available here. Just curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. One more thing is uh, this line is usually around 260-ish. So we are seeing like a little bit of that benching being priced into market here. So uh, yeah, I'm going to play that. Just curious if if you guys have any thoughts. Matt, maybe we'll start with you. You want to share your thoughts on it? If you tell me it sucks, please. If you think it sucks, tell me. I want to, I want to hear it. Roast me for it. No, I'm projected pretty close to the market. I have this at 231. Um, and But I would say, like, I think if I were betting this, I would be betting the under. Like, I would be betting only in one direction on this because there is the possibility, like, a couple of things. One, I think if the Lions really go out there and win this game, uh, I think it's probably, you know, they're running the ball like they are like they're playing to win, but they are playing a little more conservatively uh, like they don't want Jared Goff to get injured by dropping back a ton. And then there is the possibility that either they get out to a big lead and then they bench him or they just decide, hey, like we see how some of these other games are going. It doesn't really matter so much if we're going to win or not. Uh, let's bench Jared Goff. So like, there's always that risk for how this happens. And then I'll just say, this isn't uh, so much an incentive uh, conversation, but like a sort of like motivation conversation. Like I, and this gets to the idea of like, I could see them running the ball quite a bit. Um, they have a, a chance to have two 1000 yard rushers on the season. If they kind of line things up correctly, like Jameer Gibbs needs only like 80 or so yards. Um, David Montgomery is only 25 yards away. Like I could see them leaning a little bit more into the running game to get those guys, those two benchmarks and like Dan Campbell as a like as a player's coach, as a former player himself. Like I could see him actually caring a little bit more about that than some other coaches would. Yeah, fair enough here. I, I appreciate that. One more thing I want to throw in there for this handicap as well. Teddy Bridgewater has announced that he is retiring. So maybe some li- a little bit of love here from Dan Campbell to throw I could, him into. I could see that. I like that, right? especially going against the Vikings. It, exactly. I love Oh, it. that's so perfect. Stop. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it. If you guys want to share your thoughts, please feel free to jump in. If not, I'm going to continue on here and close out the show. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys one more time. I gave out my best bet. I asked for 30 likes. We weren't even close, guys. Do a better job next time, please. It goes a long way for us. I know a lot of you guys also like to watch 
after uh, the show airs. I know a lot of people are busy Friday at two o'clock here. So uh, yeah, if you're watching it post show, drop a comment on your favorite play, either that we mentioned here or something that you're going to play that we didn't talk about here. Always love to read the comments on that. And if, if you can take a second out of your day, hit that like button goes a long way for us in the algorithm here. Quick reminder for our schedule this weekend, we'll be doing a live watch along Sunday night of the Miami and Buffalo game. So if you guys have not checked out our live watch alongs, you are missing out on some great content here. I'll be producing that one. So if you want to see some more of me, go check out that show uh, there. And uh, yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Ford Progress HQ because we're going to be announcing our playoff schedule in a little bit. Just a, a little clear way for you guys to understand what we're going to be doing here for the playoffs. Like I said earlier on in the show, this Friday show will be continuing throughout the playoffs here every Friday uh, for the playoffs. So yeah. Make sure you're subscribed to be notified when we go live for these shows or you're following our Twitter account to be notified what when exactly things are scheduled for here. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in throughout the season. We've had a lot of done, a lot of fun, excuse me, doing this show. And I know we'll be back here, but I just want to say a quick thank you to the men, the people around me, Matt, uh, John, Jack. I've had a lot of fun doing the show with you. I know it's not over, but I mean, this is the end of the season. So I feel like this is the right way uh, to kind of close this out. So I just want to say thank you to you guys. A lot of fun working with you. And thank you to the audience for tuning in uh, throughout the season here, 18 weeks of uh, blood, sweat, and tears going into this show. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, for myself, for John, for Jack, for Matt, this has been Forward Progress, powered by Pinnacle on the Hammer Betting Network. Guys, thank you for tuning in with us throughout the season. We'll catch you later, and good luck on your bets this week. <laughs>